Hey there, Pastor Tony Cruz here, and I am so excited that you've taken a moment to tune into this podcast. I think we could all agree that 2020 did not turn out like we thought it would. With all that said, as believers, we know one thing remains secure. The Lord is still God. We are excited to start our brand new Christmas 2020 series called The Name. 700 years ago, the prophet Isaiah gave us a glimpse into the characteristics of our Savior that was to come. Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. As we dive into these four characteristics of God, remember, hope has a name, and His name is Jesus. Let's listen in. What name could contain such a glory? In the cool breezes of Eden, wrought from the infant earth, one arose, the voice of his creator speaking his identity to life. Adam, man. And as heaven waited short with bread, the creator spoke yet another, Eve mother of all the living. So it was with Abraham, named in the promise as the father of nations, Peter, the rock upon which the church would stand. The name called to life the destiny within. The name set the stage for all that was to come. And unto us a child was born. And what name could contain his glory? For he was mighty God, the universe gasped into being, flinging rays of light from his presence to pierce the void, to shatter the shadows to a tapestry of color. And he is mighty God, shattering our darkness, revealing our light, our truth in him. He was everlasting father when orphaned Israel needed a father's touch. When we, with grief-stricken cheeks, need the embrace of one who never leaves. When we have lost our way to dark horizons, it is our everlasting Father who lights the way home. He is Prince of Peace. When, like Elijah, we need the still small voice in the turmoil's midst. When, like David, we need the melodies of his presence to soothe our troubled minds. He is sanctuary within our trials, shepherd guiding us to still waters. And yes, he is wonderful counselor, God who gives counsel in the chaos, crafting disorder into calm and failure into beauty. He is a voice for the voiceless. He is dignity for the stateless soul. It is he who raised up a lowly shepherd to become a king took the fishermen of Galilee and made them leaders of history. It is the counselor who redeems our lost years, breaking chains that have kept dreams imprisoned and joy confined. The name reaches across eternity, exclaimed by the splendors of galaxies, sung by the passions of angels, roared in heaven's fervor, exalted in creation's unfettered rejoicing. What name could contain him? What title? What soul renowned? For this is our wonderful counselor. This is our mighty God. This is 
our everlasting Father, our Prince of Peace. What name could contain Emmanuel, God with us, Yahweh, the Great I Am? What name could contain the Word of Life, the Light of the World, the King of Kings, the Lord of All? We bow to the name that holds every other in its matchless worth. about the name of God. There's so many. Scripture goes into so many points of what the names of God and what they represented. We don't have enough time and service to be able to replicate all those names and what they mean. Today, as we continue on this Christmas Sunday, the series, The Name, I can't help but think of something highly thought-provoking. Why and how creative names are today. So unfortunately, some people don't think those things through when they name their child or whatnot. For one, things happen when you get married and you don't expect names to merge because you don't know who you're going to marry sometimes, right? So I found some unfortunate name combinations of actual people. And this is good. There's not a many, but there's a few that I think are worth mentioning. For example, one person named their daughter Eileen. And then she married someone, the name Wright. Eileen Wright. Which during political climates, it could be left, it could be right. But it could make for awkward conversation starter. Eileen Wright. There was another one that I think was pretty awesome. Her name was Lois. Her last name was Price. Lois Price. I feel close to that one. I really do. I feel like that's an important name. Lois Price. I feel good about that. Anybody ever want to get Lois Price? One couple getting married. I thought it was interesting. His last name was Hardy. Her name was Har. So in the newspaper, they said Hardy Har wedding. That's funny. And there was one, the final one was this lady uh, by the name of Helen. She married a guy. His last name was Back. Helen back. After 10 years of marriage to her, he said, it was true. It was true. <laughs> Helen back. Today I want to explore one name given to the Messiah to be born, and that was Everlasting Father. You see, when I was putting together this series, I thought to myself, I really don't want to create titles I just want the name 
to be the title. Because I usually want to be creative and kind of bring it to you in a creative facet. But I think, I think you would lose what we're trying to say here, that his name doesn't need any extra creativity. His name holds weight by itself. Amen? And so when we look at the everlasting father, I want us to understand something. That everlasting father was the name here in Isaiah 9. But understand something. Father was a term used in Israel to refer to rulers. It was like that ruler over the household. And so this term father goes with the words of Messiah's kingdom as never ending. So obviously everlasting father, he's everlasting ruler. He's the ruler that lasts forever. There should be no confusion here because people say, well, these are the names given to Jesus. These are the names given to God. Is there confusion? Is there a, a discrepancy here? Is there an issue with the Trinity? No, not even in the least. This term father speaks to the character of Jesus. It speaks to the, to the understanding of how Jesus operates in our lives. And we look upon the time in which this was given. Remember, in part one of this, do you remember part one of this? The, the, the wonderful counselor. We talked about how when Isaiah was prophesying, Israel was going through darkness. And in fact, Israel had been going in and out of darkness. And a lot of, for many of, you ever read the Bible? You read it for 10 minutes, you realize there's a, the ebbs and flows, right? There's times where Israel was right on their game, and then there was like, oh, Israel. But that's no different than you and I, isn't it? I think Israel's a fantastic picture of you and I today. We have those moments of height and blessing, and then we have those moments that are not so not your greatest moment. Have anybody ever had one of those not so great moments? You're like, this is not going to be in my hall of fame right now. Like, this is not going to be something I know. You know what I mean? So, I want us to be very clear. Isaiah wasn't confusing anything when he's talking about the everlasting father. Not at all. In fact, what, that was the farthest thing from Isaiah's mind. In fact, he wasn't even thinking about the Trinitarian terms that we talk about. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. He wasn't talking about that. He was talking about a descriptive analogy about the nature of the child king to come. That he would be everlasting. And he would be the one to fill the gap. He would be the one to care for an orphan Israel. He was that everlasting father. That said, Jesus was no ordinary child. How many would agree with that? Right, So no ordinary child could have the designation of wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father. And this uh, Christmas Eve, we'll be diving into Prince of Peace. Anybody need a little peace? Yeah, you need to be here. You need to be here. We're going to talk about the prince that gives us all peace. This term everlasting father also translates the father of eternity. Now, what, what, does that, what does that mean for us today? Well, because of the New Testament actually teaches this idea that Jesus existed before Bethlehem. Did you know that? Jesus existed before Bethlehem? You do know that, right? Because Jesus took on flesh at Bethlehem, that doesn't mean that that's the only time he's ever existed. In fact, John said it this way when he said in John, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. 
And then we go on to verse 14 in that same chapter. And the word became flesh. The word, Jesus, became flesh. So it was not about him being created. He was, from the beginning, all-powerful, all-knowing. He was God. And he continues to be. But now, the word became flesh. And we beheld his glory, as the Bible says, the glory of the only begotten of God. Listen to me. Full of grace and truth. I want us to understand something. A lot of people want to go and they want to say, tell me something I've never heard before. I'm telling you something right now that we all need to always remember. And that Jesus Christ has been here from the beginning. And he's walked with you. And he's talked with you. The question is, have we listened? There was a 400-year time period between Malachi and Matthew. And God was silent. This was not that time. Or Malachi, depending on what part of the state you're from. If you're Italian or... Malachi and Matthew, that was that period. That was when God was silent. Listen, he was not silent during Isaiah's day. It was just messy. Anybody can identify with messy? Especially after a big snowstorm. Anybody? Anybody can't find their car still? Anybody? Pendot ran over you, you know, kind of plowed you in. Anybody? I know. We got a Pendot worker in the house. He took, he took, uh, took offense to that. It'll be all right. Pray for him. You know what messy looks like, right? I got three kids at home that decide that when they get into the house... It's about chucking your shoes as far as you can. No, no, no. Keep it by the door. Keep it by the door. But life is messy. And there's times we have to realize that Jesus, when he came to this world messy, he was just doing what we, what we knew our king needed to be. He needed to be real. He needed to be here. And he needed to show. And did he ever, did he ever show up? Come on, somebody. Did our Messiah ever give of himself like he did? So let me, let's look at for a moment Colossians chapter 1 verse 15. We have that up on the screen here. The Son is the image of the invisible God. Did you see that? Come on, read that to yourself for a moment. In fact, I want us to all say this. Even those of you at home, I want you to say this out loud with your lips. Say it with me. The Son is the image of the invisible God. And he goes on to say the firstborn over all creation. For in Jesus all things were created. Things in heaven and on earth. Visible and invisible whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Did you hear that? America, did you hear that? It doesn't matter how divided our nation is. The church should never reflect the nation. The nation should reflect the church. I'm going to say it louder. The, the church should never reflect the culture. The culture should reflect the church. 
Since when has the world had the right to lead us? Since when has the world had the right to show us up in how to care for our neighbor and love our neighbor? Never. That has never been the intent of God. That should always be the people of God, whether they acknowledge us, understand us, appreciate us or not. Let me ask you a question. This is a real bona fide question. Are you ready? Say yeah. Yeah. Have you ever done a favor for someone and they did not acknowledge that you even were in the room? (laughs) Oh, revival happening right over there. I see it. I see it. Show of hands. How many ever did something for someone? Show of hands. Don't get shy on me. I will preach 30 minutes longer if you don't respond. You ever did something for someone and they didn't even acknowledge that you did anything? And you're like, dude, for real? Nothing? Nada? Zip? Okay, I see how it is. I got you. You ever been there? And then you're like, the next time that comes up or something, they need something, you're like, <laughs> no! How darest thou? And you get holy, right? Because you speak King James, that's how you know you get holy. Start speaking King James. How darest thee? Thou hast crossed my patheth the wrongest way. If. I'm dumb. But it's true, isn't it? When people cross you, you start to go, I got, I got a good memory now. You don't remember like when service starts, but you remember that person that wronged you back in sixth grade. Come on, somebody. I can't memorize scripture, but you remember that song 20 years ago. People getting real, real quiet all of a sudden. Some are chuckling. Some are unsure, nervous laughter. <laughs> what I'm saying is Jesus gave himself. And we didn't even acknowledge him. But he continued to give of himself. Even today. Did you know that? Did you know that God loves you today, even though there are some of you that haven't acknowledged him all week? He still loves you today. Some of you may be listening right now. You haven't acknowledged him in your life at all. You've attended church, never attended faith. You've never really given faith a shot. You've never really lived there. Can I encourage you to move from just going to church to being the church? Just taking time with God. And it's very easy to fall apart and feel like everything is for I do something for someone. I'm not going to do that again because they didn't acknowledge me. That's when it's about you. That's because in your mind it's about you. But Jesus held all things together. Watch this. The son is the image of the invisible God. Why? Because in him all things were made. Everything that you see. God had a hand in it. And so he is before all things. 
and in him he holds everything together. That includes your life. That includes us here on a Christmas Sunday morning. That includes the mess that was 2020. You don't want to miss the message, uh, the next couple messages at the end of this year. Because God has given me a word. I'm so excited to preach it to you. I'm, I'm, I'm going to refrain from doing it now because I really want to. But uh, we can see it in a different way because even in the book of Revelation, it says like this, Revelation 1. If you don't have your Bibles, you can look up at the screen. When I saw Jesus, I fell at his feet as though dead. And then he placed his right hand on me. And here's what he said. Do not be afraid. I'm the first and the last. I am the living one. And I was dead. And now look, I am alive forever and ever. And I hold the keys of death and Hades. Listen, whatever it is you're in need for, he holds the keys. He holds the keys to your financial future, your occupation, your relationship, whatever that looks like. Friends, look at me. Understand that he holds all things together. A lot of times we try to hold it together so we can prove to God that we are all that. Right? We try to prove, God, I got this. I got this. I figured it all out. Just give me the strength to do it. Like God's like, time out. No. I hold all things together. Trust me. Trust me. I was sharing a thought with a gentleman yesterday that I thought was worth sharing, and I want to share it with you here today for a moment. Many of you felt like quitting this year something. Something. You felt like quitting something this year. Whether it's a relationship or your job, the suicide hotline calls went up 800% this year that's a true statistic I'm not making that up I'm not just throwing up numbers I don't the platform is too big for me to throw that that's a real number according to the, the, the statistics and the suicide hotline went up 800 percent that's eight times what it normally would be on a daily basis on average, 800%. So when we talk about quitting, that's real life. That's real talk. That's me, Pastor Tony, real talk with you. Real talk is many people wanted to quit. Many people wanted to say, it's done. I'm done. I don't want to do this anymore. I'm tired of fighting. And we've all felt like we don't quit something. But can I tell you something? God says don't quit. Why? Because he's the author and the finisher of our faith. Now watch this. What I believe God is saying to this church today, and he's saying to you at home, and he's saying to every one of you at your seat right now, don't quit because I'm a good finisher. Don't quit because I'm a good finisher. I always wondered because some versions of the Bible of that particular verse says he's the author and perfecter of our faith. How many ever heard that before? You heard that? But some versions translated author and finisher. And I always wondered, what does that mean? I get perfecter, right? He kind of perfects us through the process so we can be good people. That's kind of how I saw it, right? He's a perfecter. He gets us to that place where we can serve him perfectly. Not as perfect people, but perfectly serve him. 
How many know you can perfectly serve God without being perfect? You can be exactly what he wants you to be for that moment, for that time, right? But when I read that translation, the author and the finisher, I never got it until it registered with me that he's a good finisher. You don't have to finish it. Just hang in there long enough so he can use you to finish. Because he is the one who finishes. Why? Because he holds all things together. Just like he holds you together. And some of you that felt like quitting, he's held you together. I am the first. I am the last. I am the living one. I was dead and now look, I'm alive forever. And I hold the keys of death and hell. So watch this. You see, our Father's position anchors us to our deepest convictions. His position is my conviction. Say this with me. His position is my conviction. In other words, what God believes, I believe. What God wants, I want. His position is my conviction. Say it one more time. His position is my conviction. Did you get that? I hope it's registering in your spirit right now because understand something. What he says is not an idea or an option. The Ten Commandments were not an option. They were not the ten options. He commands us to love our neighbor. That is not the great option. Love your neighbor, love the Lord your God, and love your neighbor as yourself. Those are not the two greatest options. When he says everlasting father is coming, he's bringing that sense of power to the front, saying, I will because you can't. Everlasting father. And in so much, Jesus himself How did he say to pray? Notice, he said, our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The portion of the prayer points to some things. First of all, he's a personal father, yes? Our Father, why is this so important? Because so many people have this view of God as an impersonal God. And in my opinion, uh, there's a term that I don't like to hear. I hear it, and some people use it, and they use it in a real uh, casual term. Uh, How many ever heard the man upstairs? The big guy upstairs? Can I tell you, my, my skin crawls when I hear that. Because it's, it's honestly oftentimes the world's way of saying that there's God without saying that he's God. Can I be honest with you? If you're a believer, he's not the man upstairs. If you're a believer, he's not the big guy in the sky. All right? Don't try to make some bumper sticker out of it. All right? He's not the big guy in the sky. He's either your father or he's Lord. And I hope he's both. He's not both to everybody. You understand that? He could be your creator, but he's not everybody's Lord. I'm going to be real. I'm going to shoot straight with you. Because not everybody has accepted him as Lord and Savior. You are all, we are all his creation. But that doesn't mean that we're all children. 
That's a title given to those who have accepted his fathership. Are you getting this? Because we're all created beings. But we're all God's children, Pastor Tony. No, we're not. That's not what scripture teaches us. We are all created. We are all his. But we're not all children of the most high God. It's when you've accepted him as your Lord and Savior that you'll be given right to be called sons and daughters of God. That's what the Bible says. That those that have been given the right to be called sons and daughters of God. Look it up. I'm not making this stuff up. So that, what does that mean? That means that we, listen to me now, if you have never accepted Jesus as your Savior, I'm telling you on Christmas morning here, if you've never accepted Jesus, you're not a child of God. And I implore you, I beg you, I will never beg you to do certain things. This here, I will beg you to consider. Make him your Lord. Because he can be God and you can go and you can stand before him one day. But if, unless he's Lord, you won't get past those pearly gates. He wants to be your everlasting father. And he wants his will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's why Jesus told us to pray that way. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So please, please, please don't use the term a man upstairs. Think about what you're saying. He is our everlasting father, our Lord and Savior. And the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said this. Oh, what man is there among you if, he, if his son asked for bread, he would give him a stone? Or if he asked for a fish, he'd give him a serpent? You know what I'm talking about? God is a good God. Come on, somebody. God is a good God. He's an everlasting father who provides for his children. If we ourselves can give good things, how much more can your father give? Talk about giving here. We're in that giving season, aren't we? You know there's a lot of different givers, right? Some of y'all know these givers. I'm going to give you a list of different givers. You ready? First is the over-enthusiastic giver. You ever met somebody, the over-enthusiastic giver? They give you a gift and they're like, open it right now, right now, right now, right now, right now. <laughs> they ever met somebody they're like, whoa, relax. Okay, I'll open it, I'll open it. Open it right now. And then you, you're like taking too long, so they, like, they start tearing it with you. You ever met somebody like that? And they're like, oh, you're taking too long. <laughs> Over-enthusiastic giver. Does anybody know somebody like that? My, my daughter's like that sometimes. She'll give me a gift. She'll be like, I'll be like, oh, this is so nice. Yeah, dad, open it. Right now. Right now. Right now. Right now. Right now. I'm like, relax. You know, okay, I'll open it right now. And she starts tearing it with me because I, I purposely, sometimes I may or may not do this on purpose. I may start tearing like a little piece at a time when I see her really enthusiastic. Yes, I know it's wrong, but it's so funny. <laughs> it's so funny because I'm like, oh, I got to make sure. That... No, dad, you do it. It's wrong. <laughs> Over enthusiastic giver. Then there's the early gifter. Anybody know somebody that shops like in February? March, January. It's like, whoa, we got done with Christmas. Let's start shopping for next year. 
My mom, is, she's, she is notorious early gifter. Like, she is notoriously on, on multiple levels. My mom has trouble holding a gift. If she has it for you, she'll be like, here, take it. Open it. I'll buy you another one later. Just open this one right now. I'm like, sure. <laughs> I'll have another, sir. She'll go shopping like in June. She'll be like, I got all the Christmas gifts done. I'm like, ma, well, like, the kids are just letting out for summer break. What do you mean you got everybody's gift? You know what I'm talking about, right? At least she, we talk sometimes. And she's like, I got everybody. I got all Christmas shopping done. Like, how did you do that? How do you know sizes and stuff? I don't even know that stuff. Early gifter. You know the early gifter? Anybody got an early gifter in their, in their family? Yeah. Then there's the good gifter. You know the good gifter? That person walks around for hours dissecting. Is this going to fit them? I don't know. Put that in the cart. We'll figure it out. Maybe this one over here. And Man. And it will take them like an hour. And they get like 47 things. And they just like, well, one person on the list or two people. Like the perfect. I need to find the perfect gifter. That's a good gifter. Like they're really putting a lot of thought into it. Anybody know of someone like that? Some of you are like that. Some of you are like that. You take forever to buy someone a gift. But you want to make sure it's the perfect gift. Then there's a just a gift gifter. Right? You know what I'm talking about? The just a gift gifter? Okay, so I'm going to shout out, you know, my kids do that sometimes. Like, did you get something for your sister? Like, we walk into a place, they'd be like, yeah. Um, yeah, let's do this. They go check out. I'm like, what are you, nothing? You're not even trying at this point. Like, we bet, like, I didn't even get to wipe my feet coming from outside into the store. And he's already like, okay, we're good. Let's just do this. I'm like, that's like nail polish. Like, what did you just do? Like, do you just want to get, like, fantastic window spray cleaner or something? You just grabbed anything you could. Like, that, you got window cleaner for your sister. The just a gift gifter. Last-minute buyers, you know what I'm talking about? They're like, oh, I got to get something. Uh, that right there, let's just grab it. And then there's the notorious, are you ready? The re-gifter. The re-gifter. That's the, no thought into it. I need to get rid of it. I need to clear room. The re-gifter. Some of you are laughing way too much. I didn't realize how many re-gifters we had in the house. Some of you are like, I'm not going to laugh because they're going to give it away. You got no thought into it. It's just I have this extra thing, and I just want to put a bow on it, slap it, throw it in the bag. I love bags, by the way. Just throw it in the bag, put some stuff in it, and you're good to go. Last year's bag, two Tommy. Who's Tommy? I don't know. We're good. <laughs> Who's Tommy? That's not me. Just, oh, just ignore that. Just enjoy the gift. It's great. It's great. I have three of them. The notorious re-gifter. Did you know that the ultimate gift was Jesus? The ultimate gift was Jesus. As Caleb comes on up for a moment, please. God is our heavenly father. 
And he says this to each of us today here. He says he's your wonderful counselor. He's the person that comes to you, offers his hand when you can't figure it out. He is the mighty God or mighty, mighty one, as we learned last week, right? Mighty, mighty one, El Gabor. But then there's also the everlasting father. God is our everlasting father. And I love how we see in this title given to this child king, the Messiah, Jesus. Prophesying about the everlasting father. Here's what we can know. Jesus reveals to us forever the fatherly heart of God. He's the one that will go to the lowly. He's the one that will feed the people on the hillside. The leper who needs a healing. The one who stands for us. Now, I love this particular story. And if you would humor me for a moment with the story. Leonard Sweet, in his book, Strong in the Broken Places. Sweet writes a story. I need you to listen closely to this. Sweet writes a story about a woman named Marianne who told her story. And I want to read it, quote, from the book. Can I do that? Can I read this quote? Because this woman, Marianne, told her story, and she writes this. She writes, I grew up knowing I was different, and I hated it. I was born with a cleft palate, and when I started school, my classmates made it clear to me how I looked to others. A little girl with a mishappened lip, crooked nose, lopsided teeth, and garbled speech. When schoolmates asked, what happened to your lip? I'd tell them I'd fallen, and I cut it in a piece of glass. Somehow it seemed more acceptable to have suffered an accident than to have been born different. I was convinced that no one outside my family could love me. There was, however, a teacher in the second grade whom we all adored. Her name was Miss Leonard. She was a short, round, happy, sparkling lady. Every year we had a hearing test, and Miss Leonard gave me the test, gave the test to everyone in the class. And one year I went last. I knew from past years that as we stood against the door covered one ear, the teacher sitting at the desk would whisper something, and we could have it repeat, we'd have to repeat it back. Things like the sky is blue or do you have new shoes I waited there and listened and heard the words that God must have put into her mouth seven words that changed my life Miss Leonard said in her whisper I wish you were my little girl those words changed Marianne's life she was loved and that love brought her out of her shell she later went on to be a teacher herself yes God loves you as imperfect as we are he loves us we are his he is whispering that to you 
today. I wish you were my little girl. I wish you were my boy. Some of you may have walked in here today. Some of you watching online. You don't feel connected to your everlasting father because maybe you had an earthly father that didn't represent well. Can I tell you something? He's not your earthly father. He never will be your earthly father because no one can do what he can do. But I tell you right now, he will be everlasting to everlasting and he will never leave your side. I invite you today for a moment here on this Christmas Sunday to bow your heads with me all across the room. If you're at home right now, just bow your heads with me. And I just want you to close your eyes for a moment and hear me because what I need you to understand is this. There's a very real God who loves you and on this Christmas Sunday, maybe you're here today. You have no connection to God at all. None at all. I invite you right now to ask yourself the one question that really matters is do I know him? Do I know him? If you can't say you know him, then I invite you right now to ask him into your heart. If you do know him, I invite you to stay put for just a moment. But for those of you that maybe do not, I invite you right now to say this prayer with me. Maybe you're online right now and you're just you're listening, you're watching. Can I invite you right now to say this simple prayer? And I invite everyone in this room. If you're a believer, I invite you to say this out loud too so they, that they know they're not alone. Say this with me. Say, Jesus, I accept your death for me. I believe you died for me. Come on, say it like you mean it. I believe you died for me. I confess you as my Lord. I confess you as my Savior. Come into my heart. Make me whole. Forgive me of my sin. Let me walk with you. Come into my life that I might have everlasting life. In Jesus' name. name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. What a beautiful prayer. I want you to know that right now, if you prayed that prayer and you meant it, what you just said is, God, I want you to be a part of my life. Be a part of my heart. Now you just need to get connected, and we would love to help you do that. That line, just, I wish you were my little girl. God wants you to know, I wish you were with me. I wish I could be a part of your life and you could be a part of mine. How many understand that in this world we need closer relationships that are beneficial to us but ultimately we need the one that really matters that one pipeline to our heavenly father our everlasting father today amen